Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Former President Donald Trump is testifying today in the $250 million civil fraud case brought by New York Attorney General Letitia James. Uh, The judge has told, and, and we don't have cameras in the courtroom, so we can't see what he's saying yet, but I am reading the very latest that the judge has told his lawyers that he wants, the judge wants yes or no answers to the questions and has beseeched Trump's lawyers to control him. And the lawyers are saying, we don't know if that's possible. So while I can't wait to hear what is going on there, I imagine President Trump is being very verbose in his answers. But will that serve him well? Joining us now, a frequent guest of the show on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline is Rachel Paulos, professor at the University of St. Thomas Law School and a former United States attorney for Minnesota. Professor Paulos, always great to have you on the show. Uh, It's great to be on the show, Jordana and Adam. Thank you for inviting me. So we hear, and, and we don't know what he's saying yet unless you have some inside information, but we hear that he is sort of pleading a case instead of answering yes or no questions. How do you feel that that strategy will go for him in this trial? Well, I think it depends on who the audience is. Um, He clearly views the audience as not this judge. And as you pointed out, there are no cameras in the courtroom and there's no jury in the courtroom, but he clearly views the audience as the general voting population. And so Mm. it's, it's very hard to control a witness, any prosecutor, any lawyer can tell you that. Um, and so he's not he's not just answering the question simply. He's giving a campaign speech from the witness box because this is part of his theme that the, all these trials and this case in particular are not about finding truth. They're about persecuting him and about uh, interfering in the election, the upcoming presidential election. So, I, he, Rachel, he's like very, obviously very combative with this judge, and the judge is the one who's going to make the ruling here. Is he just basically right. conceding that the judge will rule against him, so he wants to get, for lack of a better term, his pound of flesh in? That seems to be what he's saying from the stand. I mean, he literally said, this judge always rules against me, and he used that word always, um, which the judge um, sort of disputed with him right there from the, from the courtroom. Um, but it's very clear that he really thinks that he, he's he's um, speaking to a much wider audience than this judge and and these people in the courtroom with him right now. 
So what will be the outcome? We know that this isn't about guilt or innocence. We know that this, you know, I guess the Trump family has already been found guilty in this fraud case. What will happen at the end of the case? How what are the judge's options and what will happen to the Trump organization? So really, to answer the last question first, what could happen to the Trump organization it is, is that it could be completely dissolved. I mean, I think he is literally facing the death penalty for his corporate assets in New York if the prosecutor mm-hmm. um, is successful in this case. And how do we get to that point? I think the prosecutor needs to answer three questions and convince the judge um, by a preponderance of the evidence, because remember, that's the standard in civil cases, not beyond a reasonable doubt, but the lower preponderance of the evidence, that one, the values uh, of his properties were inflated or deflated based on whether or not that would create a benefit or a liability for the president. Two, not only that the values were off, but that Donald Trump personally, not through his advisors, but personally drove that decision making. And three, I mean, I do think it matters to the president what happens to his children. And I think that um, the prosecutor is trying to show that his grown children were involved in driving the manipulation Mm. of numbers here um, Mm. and that they should also be held liable and that, you know, that the organization has to be completely dissolved. It can't be that his children and the people you would think would be his heirs could take control. Um, mm-hmm. if Donald Trump personally is, is held liable. But essentially, we are not talking about guilt or innocence since this trial in New York is not a criminal trial, but we are talking about what happens to financial assets, who controls them, and um, who has continuing access to them. It really is the, the jewel in the crown for Donald Trump's um, financial empire, all his assets in New York. And so I think it would... It would be a really uh, a crushing blow if he lost control, access, and and uh, power over those assets. We're talking to Rachel Paulos, a professor uh, at the University of St. Thomas School of Law. She's a former U.S. attorney. I've seen uh, the, the, this defense from uh, from the former president and his children about this uh, worthless statement clause. Can you explain why that they are, they keep bringing that up and what 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 kind of defense that, that? would mean? Yeah, what is that? Worthless statement. Um, I'm I'm not sure specifically what you're referring to, Adam, but I think in general, um, they are trying to rely on the advice and the professional opinion of the people around them. And I think that the smart move for them, if I were their lawyer, I would be counseling them to do that, um, to say that they uh, that they relied on their accountants, their attorneys, Mm -hmm. their professional advisors, because that's a way of absolving themselves from from guilt um, or from liability, I think is more accurate, the more accurate word in this situation. Um, And they need to be able to do three things to be able to claim advice of professionals. One, they have to show that they made and and the former president personally made a full disclosure of all material facts to the professional and particularly to his attorneys Two, that they received that advice as to the specific course of conduct and that they followed that. Um, and three, that they relied on that advice in good faith, meaning they had they had reason to believe that it was legitimate advice. Um, and I mean, I think all those all three factors could be a challenge in this situation. But the key is showing that they presented all material facts to the professionals upon whom they relied. 
Rachel, what do you make of these polls? And I, I'm not sure if you've even seen them or heard the conversation mm-hmm. that we were having, but that that President Trump is leading. What do you, despite all of these, this, uh, you know, activity, um, illegal activity and, and, and trials, what, what do you make of it that he is leading in the, in the polls? Well, I think there are two things um, that the polls are showing. And the first is that, you know, you had a little clip from Nikki Haley um, just before we went live. <laughs> and those polls are also showing that Nikki Haley would beat Joe Biden in key battleground states. So I think mm. that part of what the polling is showing is that Joe Biden is vulnerable um, as a candidate. And so I know you had Dean Phillips on for uh, lengthy segments last week. And I, I think that certain people are recognizing that in the Democratic Party and trying to do something about it. And that the question will be whether the Democratic Party um, can find a, a um more voracious or or um, more credible challenger to, to Donald Trump. Um, I think that for the Republican base, um, these polls are clearly showing that not only do they not view it as a problem, they view these these um, lawsuits and the, pro- the criminal prosecutions in particular as uh, political vendettas mm-hmm. against a man who stood up for them. That's how they see it. And when you mm-hmm. talk to, to Republicans, especially Trump supporters, um, I mean, I think the, the former president himself compared himself to Nelson Mandela and said yeah. if he goes to jail, he, he's going to be a, a political martyr. Yeah. And so he is already laying the foundation for that narrative. Um, and his, his supporters clearly see it that way as well. But I think there are two problems. Um, both uh, in terms of the appeal of the of the likely Democratic nominee, as well as the the um, response of the Republican base um, to to all this litigation across the country. Rachel, I have a question for you, and it's specifically for somebody who's been in many a courtroom and before many a judge. For me, on the mm-hmm. outside, it's like uh, I if I'm in a situation where I have to be either a witness or appearing before a judge. I'm going to be on my best behavior. So yeah. I just, and politics aside, just this bombastic back and forth between Trump and this judge. Is this just a, a case of, you know, somebody this powerful and this wealthy can just have free reign, even in a courtroom where the rest of us regular citizens would need to be on our best behavior? I was thinking about this very, this issue, Adam, because I was in federal court uh, last week. And what I told my client was, um, you are you are presenting a picture of yourself from people who have never met you, um, and you're um, portraying yourself as as the man you are and the man you want them to see. Right. So um, be respectful, of course, uh, even under hostile questioning, even under questioning that isn't fair, even if you are upset about um, shots, unfair shots taken at you by a defense attorney or by a prosecutor or by. Um, but, but remember, the jury's watching, the judge is watching. And so um, in general, one would be very deferential to a judge in a courtroom, recognizing the immense power that individual holds. But I think, again, this tri- these trials are like no other trials that we have seen. And I think it's probably fair to say that, that they're no, like no other trials we've seen in the history of our country. Um, where you have a former president and very possibly a future president um, really battling for his life, battling for everything but his life, I should say, 
um, his financial empire, his political future, his his um, historical legacy. And um, anyone who's watched Donald Trump for five minutes knows he is not the silent type. Um, so he's going to he's going to battle until the end. Um, and so normally this is not what I would counsel clients to do, but there are always clients who do not listen to an attorney's advice right. and do what they want to do. And I, I just don't see the former president as someone who's going to be um, constrained by anyone, including his own lawyers. Rachel Paulos, uh, University of St. Thomas Law School and former U.S. Attorney for Minnesota. Always enlightening to talk with you. Thank you again for the time this morning. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. You got it. Um, You know, this text is interesting. As people are listening to this interview, Adam, um, this texter says this. I'm not a Trump supporter, but in this case against Trump is ridiculous. It sounds like any real estate mogul does this, inflating and deflating property values depending on loan value versus tax value. Now, if they do that, that's illegal. Right. Okay? So even if they do it, it's still not right. And by the way, lots of people are caught doing this because you can't do that. And also, friend, you don't do that. When your property taxes are assessed, you say, okay, my house is 2,500 square feet. I have this many bedrooms, this many bathrooms. You don't get to inflate it three times that amount and get away with it. Uh, There are rules. We live in a society. We have laws. Yep, there are, but I'm going to push back. So let's take a break. Okay. Uh, And I I do, uh, shocking, I may come to the defense of Donald Trump. You want to listen to that after the break on WCCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 